Hello and welcome to Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. I'm Creston. And tonight we're going to take a look at the 2022 Ruby on Rails Community Survey results and find out where we lie in those and what kind of things surprised us and and just kind of you know reaction video. Um, so before we get into that, a couple little things. Uh, hello, Colin. Welcome to the show. Um, if you've been enjoying this series, please do give us a like. On, if you're watching on YouTube or a follow if you're watching on Twitch, uh, it really helps us out. That's the easiest thing you can do. The other easy thing you could do is tell your friends about us. Uh, so before we get into talking about the survey results, how was your week? So did a fair amount of consulting, not so much with my app. Uh, you know, the extra day off was good with the Memorial Day weekend holiday. Um, did a mix of both database and Rails consulting and found an interesting thing that I wasn't aware of. And it's been around for a while, but have you ever heard of the utility Z standard? Z STD. It is a no. compression algorithm developed by Facebook. Huh. So the compression algorithm that so many things use is gzip, particularly mm -hmm. when you're talking about Postgres, all of its utilities use gzip. Right. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I've heard a lot about LZ4 in the last few years, so that's supposed to be, do a little bit better compression, and, um, but it's, I think it's still single-threaded, basically. So, one disadvantage of gzip is you can't really use multiple cores. It doesn't do parallel. However, there is a utility called PIGS, P-I-G-Z, which stands, <laughs> which is parallel gzip essentially. So you can use multiple cores to zip up a file. Nice. Unfortunately, the unzipping is still single process or single threaded. Boo. Yeah. So for years, I've actually been doing Postgres for large databases, Postgres backups, and then piping the result of the backup into pigs in order to use all the cores to compress the backup and just store it on S3 or some other location. Um, but I've, I heard about Z standard and it gives a greater compression ratio compared to gzip and it's natively multi-threaded and it is close to as fast as lz4 so it seems like to tick every box so i took a look at some performance changes from it i was like wow this this could really improve things so I actually implemented it for client and the results were that the backup was 15% smaller. So, I mean, that's something, nothing to sneeze at, but that's also configurable how much you compress it by. Sure. The time to back it up was over twice as fast. Wow. So, not three times as fast, but definitely over twice as fast to do the backup. So, instead of, say, something take taking 12 hours, so now it takes six hours to do the backup. And what's interesting is that the CPU utilization dropped by half. Whoa. So what that implies is that there was some sort of contention or communication or something's going on with the, the pigs, the parallel gzip, that the native Z standard compression method is far superior. Wow. Because it did it more than twice as fast and used half of the CPU cores even within that time frame. So that implies it's like four to five times more efficient doing the compression algorithms. That's impressive. So and then the uncompressing is multi-threaded as well. So now we're going to get that speed boost on the uncompressing when we, you know, need to take a backup and test or restore, for example. So Nginx by default uses gzip for its compression, right? Mm -hmm. 
wonder if well, you can. Um, I think. I don't know. Well, I think that's the default. Well, I think it's, but yeah, because uh, yes, it does, because I think that's kind of what browsers do. But I think they've also, each browser has been exploring different. But I wonder if, utilities I wonder if there's a way to replace this at like the Nginx level and get more performance. Huh. That's, that's an interesting thought that I might someday explore when I get a hot second that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so this has been a huge win because what because when that CPU dropped, what also happened is that the disk utilization like spiked. So I think what's happening is that now we are we were without really knowing it CPU bound just because of the context switching or whatever was happening with GZIP. Yeah. And now we can run full bore at the um, limits of the disk. Wow. So, that was an amazing discovery, this Z standard stuff. So you're IO bound now. That's your bottleneck? It seems, that, well, the disk, excuse me, the CPU utilization during the backup phase was um, a quarter, like 25%. Oh, well, so uh, that yeah, implies so you got plenty of room there. Yeah, that it's either network, which not sure of that, but I think it's more, that's probably the disk. Hmm. Well, I would be interested. All right. So listen, chat, if you have any information about what you, if you can do something like that with Nginx, replace its standard GZIP compression with something like this to improve performance <laughs> there, I'd really like to know. So comment um, and let us know. Or if somebody's ambitious and wants to research that and find out, I'd love to know the answer to that question. I'm very curious. Uh, and And I will add that I found this because when I was doing my scaling Postgres show, they were they had revealed that I think the next version of Postgres coming out in the fall, version 15, is going to have built-in support across different utilities for GZIP, of course, for LZ4 and this new Z standard. Hmm. Or, Interesting. Well, all right, that was a great discovery. show. See you guys. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been, uh, well, now we're working on, um, we got through with this Rails upgrade. It's been sitting and, and working okay in production. So one of the things that we found, though, is that we, we moved up to Ruby 2.7 because we weren't we were on 269 and we didn't want to go too far yet because we were mixing in the rails upgrade as well. So we just went to 2.7. But 2.7 has a very serious issue in the IRB console where if you go and paste something into it, it's like a typewriter. It starts going and we're routinely pasting large things into the console. And it's killing us because you paste well, 50 just, lines into there. It's just like move to Ruby three and you'll solve it. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm, that's what my focus is this week is moving to Ruby three, but the, so and now I've got to go through some of the other internal gems and fix the deprecations that came from yeah, Ruby yeah, 2.7 yeah. because Ruby three is not no longer a deprecation. It's bleh. so I'm on the whole moving up to Ruby three and I'm going to, I'm going to step it up to Ruby three. Uh, see what tests need fixing, and then try to just go ahead and go to 3.1 instead of doing a bunch of production switching step at a time. I had a very easy time, probably because I did it a year late, very easy time moving from 2.7 to 3.0 Ruby. When I did the upgrade for my operating system when it crashed that I mentioned last week. Right. And I installed 22.04 and basically it can build Ruby 3.1 quite easily, but anything else you need to download and compile a previous version of OpenSSL. Anyway, I said, all right, well, can I just move to 3.1? Because I was on three already for my all of my main projects. And I had all these weird errors. Mm. So like, again, so it was easy. 2.7 to 3 was 
pretty easy. And then I moved to three one, and like all this stuff broke. I'm like, what the heck? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it was looking like. I mean, it looks like the 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 move to three zero isn't going to be terribly bad. There's a few deprecation things we got to fix, and then we're off to the races. I haven't looked at what the three point one is going to involve, but that that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't bode well. <laughs> I mean, we'll you, you'll see. I mean, it was depend because, yeah. like, I I had some gems that were doing weird stuff, and so I'm like, Ugh, whatever. So I just <laughs> took another path. Nice. All right. So, um, but I didn't have any other really exciting things happening this week. It was a bunch of big client behind the scenes gobbledygook that just sucked up a lot of my week. So administrative fun. Um, so, anywho, let's get on a look at a survey. So, here we are at the 2022 Ruby on Rails Community Survey results. Um, so, let's first talk about what we're looking at here. So, 2,660 Ruby on Rails folks, 102 countries. That's good because in statistics, regardless of your population size, the max you need for statistical validity is 1,000 sample your sample size only ever has to go up to a thousand to have statistical validity which means the fact that we're at 2600 is just a little more precision so so that's good um who are the developers so let's take a look at who is here what i found interesting is that how many people they got responding to the survey because the like the looks like this they do it every two years and the last one i mean basically it's a pretty sizable jump yeah they got a 23 percent increase increase yeah so that's of course i never saw this survey and i said I think you said you never saw it either yeah i didn't see it when it was coming through uh, but what that means is because i had been hearing over the past year or so whispers in the wind about, oh, Ruby's dying off and everybody's going to go or everybody's going to this or everybody's going to that. And Ruby's a dying language. This this is not showing me that at all. It's showing me it's a growing language. Um, well, I think there's some parts that indicate it's not growing quite rapidly. In well, here, I don't think it's we'll rapidly see. growing. But I don't think it's I don't think all the shrinkage that people were alluding to over the past year is I wasn't seeing that anyway. Um so we got people from all over the place. Uh I was surprised that there's that many people in all in tons of other countries. Oh yeah. Well, I mean we yeah, and it's what's weird. I'm a, I'm like a little... I, I expect I'm well US is pretty big but I guess I expected like India to be way bigger and like even Ireland or places like that. Well what I expected to show up in here that didn't was Poland because I know there are a crap ton of ruby shops in Poland. Um we actually have an office in Poland. Um but there are just a ton of ruby developers over there. Why is that? Couldn't even begin to try to explain that, but it, I was surprised that that wasn't like separately listed in here. And it's kind of in the other countries bucket, but there you go. There's all the other countries. Um, which one of the following applies to you? So most of us are working for a product company. This is me. I'm in the seventy percent. This is you. You're a freelancer, contractor. Well, I'm, I mean, well, but you own a company, I have, so I have one leg and kinda. So, so, so you're in the eighty-three percent. Yes. Um, and I have done this stuff, but I don't anymore. I, I, I've also been in the one percent here. So, <laughs> <laughs> and who hasn't? All right. <laughs> Uh, how many years have you been developing? Well, we're both, I think, up in this bucket. Um, Which one? The the thirteen plus years. I know I am. I'm close. I'm either there or I'm close. Yeah. 
Um, so. Because you're the one that dragged me into this. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. Um, so less than a year, what that's telling me is there's not a lot of new people coming in. That's that's what I was referring to an indication of, hey, it may not be growing that rapidly. It's mostly people who have learned it are continuing to use it, but there's so, a lot of, not a lot of new growth. They're going for the fancy schmancy stuff. Yeah, which is a little concerning. Well, okay, I shouldn't say concerning. I'm not really concerned that Ruby's going to drop off the face of the earth next year and I'm going to have to learn something else. But um, the fact that there's a lack of new growth, I I wonder if that has to do with this propensity for developers to kind of um, grab onto the latest and greatest um, and and be kind of bleeding edge folks. It's. I think some of it's that. It's. I also think another factor, like due to Python's enormous success and continued growth, I think is due to another factor is not just new and new and fancy, but also you continue with what you learn. So so many beginning programmer programming courses have Python, and so I think people just have continued to use Python, and it's been encroached into different areas because yeah, i think that was one of the top languages from another survey we looked at it could be how many rails so applications a lot of new so i don't think a lot of new people like i don't think a lot of college people are learning ruby at all i think they may join a company and they learn it that way or yeah. maybe they discover it on them for themselves somehow but i think it's probably through a job yeah I mean, like I, I, I heard about it through word of mouth. A, a guy I worked with told me about it, and then we went to a Ruby user group meeting, and then I fell in love with it, and <clears throat> and and got married to it, and made a living at it. Um, how many Rails applications have you contributed to? Not entirely sure what they mean by applications. Like, I think separate applications. Like if I've worked on 20 different rails apps in my consulting then i'm in the 20. okay well i'm probably in the and six if you've to developed four or five you know at your work then that's where you are yeah or whatever i mean we have a lot of different little because we're we're basically soa so we've got a a lot of little applications but they're kind of the same suite of things so i don't know yeah, well, I mean, that's just an indication of take a lot of these responses with a grain of salt because how yeah. did one person answer this versus another? So, oh, Colin <laughs> brings up a good point. New devs may not know the survey, also, which may, I mean, that's true. That could be, yeah, that could be true too. Very, very good point. How did you learn to code? Gosh, I, I kind of fit into a little bit of all of these, just about. Um, but the majority of people are self-taught. I don't think surprises that's, me. That's where I am. I'm I'm Mr. Green. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a, a a CS and management blended degree. I went to some kind of boot camps. They weren't termed that, but that's kind of what they were. I did a lot of self um, self-taught, and I, I think, did a lot of on the job. Well, I think boot camp are they're probably referring to these establishments that are here now where hey you go for three to six months and then you intensive food camp yeah. and then you go and get a job if that's the case i'm not in that camp yeah um but and most of it's just self-taught and on the job i certainly didn't learn ruby in my cs degree because <laughs> ruby didn't exist when i was in college but i learned a lot of programming there Ah. Uh... All right, so let's see. Teams of responsibilities. What are your responsibilities in the stack? Um, I'm, I have been responsible for all of these areas at some point, but I'm currently, and most of my career is back-end development. Yeah. I mean, that's my sweet spot too, but I spend a lot of time in DevOps, of course. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, Can I do what I have to with the front end? <laughs> yeah, fortunately, from a programming perspective, I'm almost completely back in now. The only the other responsibilities <laughs> of my job are more project management and administrative type things, which is fine because I'm not a I don't really enjoy the front end stuff. I can do it in a pinch, but I'm not a designer, and I don't I, I don't know. It just it doesn't light my fire. <laughs> How many Rails applications is your team currently responsible for? Yeah, I'm in the two to five range, I would say. I mean, we have a lot more of those little apps running around, but my team doesn't work on all of them. Mm -hmm. So, how big is the development team for your primary Rails applications? Two to four. Um, I I'm sitting in the five to eight bucket, but this doesn't surprise me because if you if a development team gets too big it starts becoming just kind of inefficient i guess is the polite way to say it um isn't there this like pizza rule like if you have to order too many pizzas your team's too big or something like that i can't remember what the rule is <laughs> i haven't heard that but that makes <laughs> sense uh, yeah um so so but wait at your whole company number of developers don't you have a lot oh absolutely that, right? absolutely but they're split into teams so any particular team is okay. not that big yeah okay um yeah i think there's 35 36 actual programmers in the company so but yeah we're not we're not constantly, I don't even know some of them. Yeah. You and your team typically work remotely. Hell yes. This, I, I'm not at all surprised to see this massive increase here. Well, yeah, given what happened in 2020. And yeah. Beyond. I mean, that, that was almost, I, I'm honestly surprised that it's not higher than it is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and this rarely never has gone to almost nothing, <laughs> which also doesn't surprise me. Well, and they only have two data points, so we'll yeah. see what it gets to. Now, I, th I, I suspect this will start normalizing back to kind of these levels over the next few years. Yeah. Um, we're, we're still just on the tail end of this mess and things are starting to open back up, so it hasn't had time to to correct yet, I don't think. Um, who uses your applications? So not a lot of people are doing internal only stuff. Which doesn't surprise me. Um, I was a little surprised by how many applications are split, like <laughs> consumer and internal users. I thought they'd be mostly public facing. I would have thought so too. So yeah, I'm I'm a little. A little surprised to see that and what i'm really surprised about is the fact that it was way more than that in 2009 largely internal and it didn't start equalizing until 2016 that was that was a little surprising hasn't moved much since in the past five or six years but hmm. weird has your development team grown or shrunk in the last two years uh, 54% grown. I mean, that's, that's a good sign, I guess. That means more Rails developers are being needed. I'm not surprised given what, given what's happened in the last couple of years, but if there, if a recession's around the corner, <laughs> I wonder what's going to be happening in the next two years for the survey. That's true. Because right now it's hard to find enough programmers to fill all the slots but this is starting to be reminiscent of the dot-com boom beginnings of that where there was such massive fast growth that eh. now I, I think some of that too has to do with the fact that this that the you know over the past two years 
the whole the whole way of doing things in the world has changed and there are a lot more apps growing out of that necessity True. yeah so i think that probably has some to do with it so it's not just some mystical fantasy bubble like the dot com was um but i think it is very rapid growth that will at some point have to adjust i think Oh, what Ruby on Rails version. So this should be fun. Um, how many are updated to the most recent Rails Ruby release? <laughs> now, what's Nine. interesting about this is that it means, you know, they're implying Ruby 7, which is pretty recent. I mean, I don't know when yeah. the survey information was collected. And that would mean Ruby 3.1. And I'm, I would be in the none category here, too. Yeah. I mean, we just brought our um, our core engine app up to Rails 6. So we're going to be, we're on the March to 7. We haven't gotten there yet. And it's because things are so big and there's other stuff you got to do besides keep up to date with Rails every year. You know, so I don't think I'm surprised to see this. You know, the, the, the smaller apps can keep up with this pretty easily, or at least more easily. Um, you know, when you've got a bunch of distributed interconnected apps, it gets a little more difficult. So, you know, this, this spread doesn't surprise me. I frankly surprise none is as small as it isn't bigger. Again, because it implies Ruby 7 and Ruby 3.1. <laughs> right. I, and but. I, while I'm surprised, I'm happy to see that because that means people are adopting this stuff and it's getting a good workout sooner rather than later. Um, so that's that's a good thing, I think. Uh, if not all, why not? <laughs> yep, yeah, not enough time. Uh, not considered a priority, but by whom? <laughs> the the programmers consider it a priority product does not so you know because it means i don't get my features i don't want to do it. <laughs> right upgrading to rail 7 doesn't sell anything so i don't care but you know on the programming side it's hey there's a lot of stuff that it can help us with and and get us faster so I'm not sure. I mean, I'm kind of half here and half not. <laughs> but not enough time is a big reason for us. A couple little things with third-party dependencies, but I haven't run into a lot of issues with that yet. I don't generally see that unless I'm trying to, you know, move up to the next Rails version, like within a month of release, because the gems just haven't had time to... I mean, that's my main reason why I'm not on the current one is just because I wait for stuff to settle out for the gems to get, like, again, I'm typically a year behind the new releases. Mm -hmm. So close to when, like close to in, in December or something like that, you know, once they go to Ruby 3.2 or something, and once they release Rails 7.1 or whatever it is, then I'll say, all right, time to move to Ruby 7, time to move to Ruby 3.1. Right. <clears throat> um, the one that disappoints me most about this is lack reliable automated tests. Why do you lack reliable automated tests? Bad programmer, bad. Be because it's not considered a priority and there's not enough time. <laughs> bad programmer. <laughs> no. No. Uh, moving on. How long has your Ruby on Rails application been in development? Holy crap. Uh, that's... Hmm. Well, the problem is there's a few of them. Um, some of them are under a year. Some of them are... You know, like the main engine, core engine, is in the 10 to 13 year bucket, I think. But, you know, I haven't been at the company that long. So... The stuff I'm working on at the company is... Under a year. 
<laughs> Lucky you. Woohoo! New blood! Is your team using a dual boot strategy for upgrades? No? What? Why? I don't understand. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what they mean by dual boot strategy. It's this technique that a number of shops, not necessarily consulting shops, but even just product companies have done where you have one set of gems, like a separate gem file. So you can literally switch the application between versions. Oh. So it's the same code base, but you can say, all right, run as Ruby 6.1 now. Okay, now run as Ruby 6. Or So you can flip back and forth what you're running as. Right, okay, yes, all right. So, so that's a way to test out, make sure, you know, smoke test stuff, make sure things are working, and then if it works, then you can leave it on that version. Yeah, we've got a couple apps set up like, we don't call it that, <clears> but <throat> we've got some set up like that, but it's not for the reason of upgrades. They do it for other reasons. Um, anyway, I think Shopify, which is a bit, one of the biggest Rails apps out there, I think described using the strategy. Right. So, okay. Well, I mean, not many people are doing that. But I, I can't say I'm surprised. I think unless you're really big like Shopify or something, there probably isn't a lot of bang for the buck there. Yeah. Probably a lot of engineering that has to go into setting that up that's just not worth the time. Yeah, I would. That's my feeling as well. Which Ruby version manager are you using? RBE and V. Why would you use anything else? Well, now that you ask, <laughs> look at ASDF. Yeah, I see that's going up. I I haven't I haven't messed so... with that one. I don't know anything about it. So. I use I use that for Elixir because it is more of a universal version manager. So it can handle Ruby, it can handle Elixir, it can handle Erlang, it can handle JavaScript. So all the dependencies. Now I'm still using RBM RBM for Ruby, and I haven't switched over it for my Ruby projects, um, but it works great for me for my Elixir projects. Yeah. So, I mean, that is kind of the top yeah. top one and has been for several years now. Um, RVM has, is kind of shrinking a bit. I, I used RVM very briefly, and it was about the time that RBE and V was kind of coming out. But I switched off of RVM because I found it to just be very heavy. RBE and V was much lighter and easier to switch around. I found. Yeah, I never use RVM. I don't know if it's because we were working on something at the same time, but I know what I liked about what I like about R RBM even today is that essentially it's people from Basecamp who were sponsored it, set it up, run it, you know. Mm -hmm. So if they're running it, it's kind of like, all right. Exactly. So if uh, if I'm only doing Ruby development. Does ASDF have any benefits over over RBM? I think it's just a personal preference. Okay. I mean, like I said, again, I haven't, I haven't done anything. why I like it is because, you know, you have to set up Erlang, you have to set up Elixir, you have to set up JavaScript for doing a Phoenix app. Mm -hmm. And a ASDF, you're able to do all of that in okay. one go. So that's what made it convenient. <clears throat> it makes sense. All right, what do we got there? What versions of Rails are you using in your applications? Ooh, there are some respondents at the 1X. <laughs> wow. Andrew, welcome to the show. ASDF is the best. Is it really? I haven't used it, so I'll take your word for it. Um, I mean, I've been... I haven't had any complaints about RBE and V, so I haven't had a reason to move. But if if it's if I get into a multi-language situation, it sounds like that's the move to make. Uh, yeah. So 
a third of people are on the 6.1 spectrum. That doesn't surprise me. That's kind of where I expected this to land. Um, you know, the majority of people in the 6 and 6.1 region. Um, that, that seems pretty consistent with how this graph has been moving. So that I can't say I'm surprised by that. Uh, Andrew manages Ruby, Node, Python, Postgres, and Redis with it. Holy crap. Does Postgres management too? Sweet. Huh. I'll have to look into that some more. Uh, get main branch. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd ever want to be there except on the, my, my play area. Even then, I, I'm not much of a bleeding edge tester kind of person. I will s try to stay on the very latest in my play environments. Uh, but yeah, this, this graph doesn't really surprise me. This is kind of what I had expected to see. And what I saw. I'm I'm a little surprised at how many people are on the 2.3 though. I mean, eek. That's 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 a security issue waiting to happen there. Uh, versions of Ruby. Again, not terribly surprised at this. 2.7 is the predominant one. A lot of people have had time to jump to three. So I this this doesn't really surprise me and we're on 2.7 about to be on three so yeah oh configuration which active job adapters do you use to process background jobs 58 percent sidekick yep well that's where we are that's what we do all our background stuff with is sidekick so again not surprised and so for my project, I would have to choose other here. Because <laughs> again, I'm using that Damon's, or sorry, Demon's gem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, what was it about seven or eight years ago, delayed job was probably the biggest one. Uh, and rescue used to be a lot bigger, I think, too. But this, yeah, sidekick is, everybody uses that now. So I can't say I'm surprised by that. Third-party email services do you Rails integrate with? Uh, me? None. Used to integrate with Mandrel. But they don't do that anymore. But SendGrid is all I ever hear, so this doesn't surprise me either. I'm actually using Spark Post. That's not even on here. I have I know, to go in the other. Again, another other. <laughs> Although I might have chosen Postmark if they supported sending marketing emails, which they didn't when I made that decision a number of years ago. <laughs> so they only did transactional emails, but now I believe they do do marketing. But. Oh, so Spark Post is one of the three other responses. Ah, yeah, there. Yeah. There you go. Primarily building monoliths or microservices. Well, so, I mean, this is a whole other show, but we have a lot of microservices. We're actually in the process of monolithing a lot of that because... A lot of it was engineered as microservices because that was the new hotness, but it wasn't thought through as to why you use microservices. And so it was just doing that for the sake of doing it. And it kind of made a mess of the architecture. So we're actually in the process of monolithing a lot of those things because it's actually more efficient, better architecture, uh, easier to troubleshoot, easier to maintain. They're just there. There's no. There's no bang for the buck with most of the microservices, and that's what I keep seeing over and over and over again. So, I'm not 
I will say I'm a little surprised by the preponderance of monoliths here, simply because you hear so much about microservice architecture, but I'm glad to see this because I'm not a big fan, honestly. But maybe it's all the other languages that are microservicing themselves. <laughs> I mean, I there's there's the occasion where microservice makes sense, you know, like a like a login server or something like that. But the amount of stuff I saw going to microservice was just blowing my mind and it just didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, how many of your apps are legacy apps or code inherited from other developers? Huh. 26% all new. That's surprising, I guess. I don't know, but this is this is pretty split. It's, it's the number of new surprising to me as well. Given how many people are working, how old these apps are in the survey and how long people are working on it, I expected that's true more legacy and and this honestly is a little surprising to me too all legacy that's that's not something you see very much either because when you're if you've been on at a job for more than a little bit of time you're usually developing new stuff to bring online with these things so it's no longer all legacy code <clears throat> The only way I would turn my stuff all legacy is if I was working on it and all I ever did was bug fix it. There were never new features. Well, or... I think they're putting it into an app. Is it a legacy app or not? So I think if you came into a place working on one app and you can, like Shopify, and you continue to work on Shopify, maybe that's considered just an all legacy app. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's how they were asking. That could be. But you know, I'm kind of surprised at the all new. That's a little, little off of what I was thinking. How many Greenfield Rails apps have you deployed? Uh, since 2018. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm probably in the two to five area. And three, actually, I think. Yeah, I'm about two, two, yeah, one or two, depending on when I did something. Ah, learning. This is, I like this part. How Rails developers continue to learn, where they consume content. All right, here we go. Have you been to a conference, regional or bigger, for Ruby and or Rails in the last year? No. And it doesn't surprise me that it dropped. I mean, we had a little bit of a travel problem for the past two years, so yeah, that's not surprising. I would I would love to see this number go up in normal years. I think thirty percent is a little. I mean, disappointing, I suppose, but kind of hard to do that when you're working full-time too and have other things going on they're hard to get to sometimes well i mean but so many of them are happening online now so uh, this is true so maybe this number will start going away. back up after this because you know so many things have changed the way that you that we interact as groups now has changed so dramatically over the past two years that may have an effect on this. Uh, do you participate in local in-person user groups related to Ruby Rails development? Not anymore. Again, of course, this has just plummeted in the past two years, but uh, not anymore. I used to for several years, especially when I was first getting into Ruby. I was in the, the local Ruby user group. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, this is not a surprising trend, I don't get. I mean, it, it, past two years, well, of course not. The fact that there's but... less local groups, I think, makes, yeah. Yeah. And that is true. I mean, the local user groups have kind of kind of died out. The in-person user groups seems to be moving more online, so. 
everything is moving. Oh, well, there you go. Do you participate in online user groups related to Ruby Rails development? <laughs> there you go. That's where they all went. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. I mean, true. What are some technical podcasts that you enjoy listening to? Remote Ruby! Yay! Look at that. There you go. Um, yep. Remote Ruby. Uh, Ruby on Rails podcast. Uh, I actually haven't listened to these. I've I've listened to Ruby Rogues, but many of these I haven't actually listened to. So that would be something worth checking out. Yeah, the Go Go Rail screencasts are good. Huh? Interesting. But hey, yeah, Remote Ruby and um, Ruby on Rails podcast are my big ones. Uh, let's see. Oh, look, there's Brittany. Nice, we're trying to get her on the show. Uh, for some of your favorite Ruby Rails blogs. Ruby Weekly, yes. Um, Go Rails, I used to read a lot. Um... I don't read a lot of blogs unless they send them to me in a weekly newsletter because I can't be bothered to get on the on the web browser and look them up. They have to show up in my inbox. I'll read them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the big ones in there, but I don't do a lot of that. So I'm more of a headline scanner. Live coding streamers. Oh, let's see. Have I ever watched it? Oh, Railscasts. I loved Railscasts. Andrew, look at you, Andrew. There you go. That is true. Um, yeah, I don't know that I've ever watched any of these in particular. A lot of rails casts in the day when that thing when when he was still going. <coughs> I've watched Andrew on his show. Huh. That's uh, Oh, live coding, coding, coding. Okay. Oh, Andrew. I didn't know you did live coding. I was thinking podcast for some reason. Oh, that was the previous question. Eh, lagging behind. Come on, brain. You attended a boot camp and or school for learning to code. Which one? Uh, I, uh, I don't know that any of those are things that I've done. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of internal training things in my company so I use a lot of that <clears throat> I don't generally do a lot of external ones oh gems and open source have you authored at least one gem yes but they're internal gems not public gems so does that count that's going up so that's <coughs> good I guess well the nose are going up oh yeah that's the nose hmm you wouldn't think that this would have anything to do with that. So what is what explains that? Hmm, weird. How often do you contribute back to open source products? Projects. Um, I don't typically contribute code, but I will ask questions and get involved in discussions and suggestions for them. Um. <coughs> I have to be careful with code because of NDA things and the way my work contract is structured, but um, so I'm probably the rarely as far as code goes, but as far as talking to maintainers and suggestions and questions and getting involved in discussions, I do that quite a bit. What Ruby gems do you love? 
Well, sidekick, Robocop. Um, I mean, yeah. <coughs> I don't. I haven't used view component, but the rest of them, for for sure. I used simple form a lot back when I was doing front end stuff, but I don't do that anymore. So, uh, Faker, I love. I always liked Faker. Um. Yeah, those are. Those are all good. Sidekick, Rubicop, Rails, Pundit, Factory Bot, Dry RB, Dry RSpec Devise. I use those on a daily basis. Uh, well, sorry, not Devise. We do use Devise. I actually have a preferred. Um, I, I Devise to me is too heavyweight. I actually like um, sorcery. Uh, sorcery. Which Ruby gems frustrate you the most? I don't know that I get really frustrated with gems very much anymore. There used to be some that would frustrate the crap out of me. Um, Spring comes to mind when it was first first out. It that that thing was, oh my god! I never could get it to run right. Finally, get it running right, and then you make a you change a branch or something, and all hell breaks loose. God forbid you run a a migration. It's way better now. Yeah, I I use it now, but oh, it used to be so frustrating. Um, I don't remember really being frustrated with any of these. I, what's frustrating? I guess is the question. So I know we're running a little late than normal. Wow, we're only halfway we through the survey. Holy crap. Yeah, I know. Do we want to pick this up? Maybe we need next to do week? a part two. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should. Because it's. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in here. And I don't want to skip it. I'm having fun talking about it. And now we get to talk Sorry. about JavaScript. Talk about it next week. To talk about it next week. <laughs> yep. All right. So. Um, so yeah, we'll just we'll just break this into a two-parter, uh, because why not? Hey, I'm having fun with this. Good stuff. <laughs> so we will come back next week. We will stop start with the JavaScript bit of this uh, community Rails survey. Um, hope you guys did enjoy that. If you did, please make sure and like, subscribe, mash all the buttons, and ding all the bells on YouTube and or Twitch, depending on which place you're seeing us um don't forget to join us on our website rubberduckdevshow.com where you see all our podcasts and videos and also sign up for our newsletter uh you can find our podcasts everywhere that podcasts live if you want to find out what's going on uh other bits and bobs you can follow us on twitter at ducky dev show um and i guess we will see you next Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern. So until then, happy programming. Happy programming. Happy programming.